Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest. He's a repeat guest on the show. He's none other than Mr. George Ross. George is best known as co-star of the TV show, The Apprentice. He worked for Donald Trump for 47 years as his right-hand man, and he taught at the law school at NYU for over 20 years. He's the author of two best-selling books on real estate and negotiation. Today's show is an excerpt of a conversation I had with George earlier this week. We're talking about a specific case study on negotiation. Here we go with George Ross on negotiation. So George, you wrote the book Trump Style Negotiation, which if I understand correctly, George, was your course syllabus, the outline was uh, your course syllabus from when you were teaching at NYU. That is correct. And I had given the syllabus to the publisher, and he liked it. And he says, you know, this would make a good book. You got to put in some of the stories that are are actual things that happened. And then I think it would be a very, very good book, and it would sell well. And it did. It did sell very well. It sold out in well over 100,000 copies throughout the United, throughout the world. Oh, fantastic. That's that's amazing. Which is unusual for a, a book, you know, of that nature. Especially a business book, exactly. And yes. You sell 10,000, 20,000, but 100,000 is extraordinary. That's fantastic. I'm still getting royalties after all these years. Wow. <laughs> fantastic. Well, what I thought we would do tonight is do a little bit of a deep dive, really using the book as, as an outline for the discussion. We've got a real life case study, uh, and in some ways you can't make this stuff up. That's true just a more normal type of negotiation. It's uh, involving a purchase of a piece of property. It's got a couple of wrinkles to it. Why don't we jump right in and we'll start with number one. Let's go. Okay. This is very, very interesting. This is going to be one of the better uh, sessions we're going to have because you're dealing with actual case studies and you're now looking at say, good, what, what do we do now? Exactly. How do we, how do we solve the problem? Which is exactly. difficult. We're with a more than one person involved which happens not too infrequently, unfortunately. So it's, there's a lot to be learned, and especially because these are actual cases. I didn't know it until you sent it to me, and I thought you just dripped them up, but these are real things. Yes, they are. All right, so let me set it up here. So the case study involves a land assembly. It's three parcels. At the heart of the three-parcel assembly is a restaurant called Silver Spoon. The owner of the building, his name is Ron, and he used to operate Silver Spoon, the restaurant. He eventually, after running it for, I don't know, 20 years, sold the restaurant to a good friend of his. His name is Paul, and Paul has been operating the restaurant ever since. So now, Ron is leasing property to Paul, the restaurant operator. There's a few years remaining on the lease, I think about three years remaining on the lease, but Paul has two more options on the lease to extend the lease. So he could extend the lease for up to another, I don't know, 12 to 15 years, something like that. And we would like to purchase the property, demolish the building, and put up a high-rise or mid-rise, 10-story building on that site out of the three-parcel assembly, about 100 condo units, and that property would have a commercial ground floor with the possibility of reopening that same restaurant in on the same corner. But of course, during the period of construction, the restaurant would have to disappear for a period of time. Now, the building owner initially was not interested in selling. Eventually, he said, you know, I'm ready to sell. I want to retire. I want to spend more time in Florida. And he came up with a number that we thought was a little bit high. It's 
20% higher than it should have been. When you look at it from a developer perspective, you know, developers don't look at comparable sales or multiples of net income or anything like that. We look at what can we build on that site and what is the cost per buildable square foot using a residual land value analysis. So in the end, he wanted about 3.2 million, but then layer on top of that, he wants us to buy out the restaurant owner and buy out these remaining options on the lease and give the restaurant owner a salary for the two years that the restaurant is not going to be operating with the hopes that at some point once the new building is built he would occupy the new space so he wants the restaurant owner to be compensated for his time that he's not operating the restaurant so that's kind of the setup of the situation if i was to knock on your door of your law firm and say george looking to negotiate this deal hey, here's the problem how do we solve it exactly right that's what you say what, what, what do we do to solve it? exactly okay that's I uh, understand the problem they want the answer yeah <laughs> uh, the interesting that you have here you have a multiple situation where uh, involved in any one transaction you got a number of player different players with different ideas or different things that interfere with the overall scheme and they have to fall into place in order to make it make it happen so what you have to do here what you have here is two different situations you have the owner of the property who wants to sell and retire and wants to get paid for the value of the property whatever you may agree you have yourself as the buyer that's willing to do it provided i get it at, a, at the right price and i have to solve the problem relating to the operation, the, the restaurant, which is there on a long-term lease, which would interfere with my purchase of the property and my utilization of it. You have another wrinkle, and the other wrinkle which you presented is that the owner of the restaurant, the operator of the restaurant and the owner of the building are friends. Yes. All right. So that creates a different problem. Let's say a different problem is how do you separate the negotiations? You can't have, you can't, leave them in that position. You can't leave with friends. You got to deal as if they're separate and distinct. So you have to decide in dealing with the owner of the property and then dealing with the tenant under the lease and getting the time and the ability to work it out. So that's wrinkles, but that's not unusual. In any major transaction, you could have any number of people that are involved in making the thing happen. I've had it, uh, for example, five, uh, five owners is lot, lots that you want to build a building covering all five owners. You got a different deal with five different people. And if you don't solve the problem with five, you have nothing. So you have to work with the facts that are given. In this instance, you have the facts are pretty clear. So what you would do or the appropriate way to handle it is to take the most important one first. And the most important one is the owner of the building, the owner of the property. Because what you want is you want to buy the property. You like to buy it with a long delayed closing so that you can do whatever environmental or everything else you want to do in the interim period so that you don't have to pay the whole purchase price without having the real utilization of the property because you're planning on tearing down and building as part of a, a total structure. So that is the most important one. If you can solve that one, you have to solve that first. And it's easy. When I say it's easy, conceptually it's easy because you've already agreed on a, the price, not agreed, you you, you, you think you want to pay, uh, make, like, 
uh, what was the number? I think uh, we'd rather pay three million. He wants three point two. Yeah, all right. We're so not far apart. No, that's the area of disagreement. In other words, that the you know the the uh, area which we would call that's in dispute. He's a true. He's a three two. You're a three million. Somehow that's not the assembly block. That's not impossible to resolve, assuming that there was nothing else that you had to be concerned with, which is not the fact here. Right. So the, the way to handle this would go is to I go would go to the bot to the owner of the building and say, yeah, I'd like to buy your property. However, you have the problem with the lease, but and I need time to go solve the lease. And the lease runs out in two years, so I may need the whole two years. So I want to enter into a contract with you in one form or another, where I can have the right to buy the property for three for three million dollars and close it in two years, or I could close it sooner, assuming that it's available. So it's my option. So the key here is to is to get your leg in the door by getting an option. Give me an option. I'll pay you money for the option. You give me an option to enter into a contract. For you to buy it for three million or for three million two, whatever we agree upon, and give me six months or or three months an option so that uh, for me to work it out. Now, if I can't work it out, you keep the option money. So the option money could be whatever amount you agree upon. You want to make it as little for the purchaser, and the owner might make it higher. But meanwhile, he's not hurting. It's it's found money. You know, it's just not, nothing happens except if you give them twenty five, fifty thousand dollars. I don't know what you're going to give them that that you could work. And if you don't close in the six month, you don't solve the problem in six months, then effectively keeps the, keeps the option, and he owns the property. So well, that's got- how we that's how we approached it to begin with. Uh, and you know, we started at in fact. You mentioned fifty thousand. That's actually the number we started with. And he said, "Look, for guys like you, fifty grand. If you lose fifty grand, it's not going to change your life. Uh, I want it to be a large enough number that if you walk away, it hurts." It hurt. Well, no, the way work away it hurts. Question: is, the, the the approach or the defense to that is, like, "Hey, you're you're getting money that you didn't have. This is found money for you. It is. I'm giving you fifty grand to for six months. What's better with that?" At the end of six months, you have fifty grand more than you had before, or you have a deal that we agreed upon. And if again you have a dep- and at that point we'll agree. If and if now we can build on it or end it up sooner, I'll give you more. So you make it a, a two step transaction. I'll give you four fifty thousand now. If I can solve the problem with the restaurant, I'll give you another two hundred thousand, or whatever the number is. Right, right. So what have you got to lose, owner? Nothing. That's the sale. That What's he going to say? No, it's forget forget whether or not you have you you can afford it. The answer is when do you want to sell the property or not? If you want to sell the property and retire, you're giving you're giving me the property with a with a problem that you created. You're the one that put this restaurant there, and you gave them options. So if I can't can't solve the solve the problem which you created, I shouldn't be penalized. So I'm ready I'm ready to throw twenty five thousand or fifty thousand on the table to give me an opportunity to try to solve the problem. Why is, doesn't that work for you, owner? And the answer is it does. There's no defense, no defense to that. I love that. Other than the fact that he wants to be greedy, why greedy? I would buy the property today for the, the, the price that we're talking about. We could agree on a price, but you can't deliver it without the tenant. 
And who created the tenant? You did. Who gave him this long-term lease with options? You did. He's your friend. Who's a friend? So what you have to do is you separate the friend, the friendship aspect, the owner of the building from the owner of the lease. Now, I assume that you could do it because it makes sense for the owner. So we now sign a contract that I get an option to buy the property for the the uh, the two the seven million whatever the number was, and uh, you give me six months. Do either do one of the things. If you keep the option money or we have a firm deal and I'll give you a larger deposit. So what you've done now is you've made money in six months and you know you have a good deal. So you don't, we don't have to renegotiate it. We put all the terms in it. So the terms could be, I'm not, I, don't want, I want a two-year closing. I don't want to do it now. And I want to get all the representations that I would get there. Get, you've got good title. I want a clean, clean deal except for the question, the problem we have with the restaurant. You can make a deal with the owner, assuming he wants to retire. And the way you, you do that is you say, nobody's going to buy this place, buy your building with the, with the crazy lease you put there. Who, who makes a lease at this point? You give the guy uh, long-term options. Well, moreover, it's, it's a situation where he's the centerpiece of a three-parcel assembly. Yeah, that's, that's, you, don't, you don't tell him that. Well, he knows that. I mean, I know it's fine. That's okay. Yeah. He's a centerpiece. So he said, "Yeah." He, so he says to you, "Well, yeah, but if you don't tie up my piece of property, you can't build what you want to build." That's his concern. Is is a good point to negotiate because he's important to your building. However, the argument is that we have the piece on the either side. Argument, the the counter argument is yes. That's that. That is absolutely true. But meanwhile, you're you're giving me a defective piece of property. And who created the defect? You did. Right. So now I, in order for me to accomplish what I want to accomplish, I have to cure your defect. So let's enter into a contract where I'm going to give you a deposit, which we can negotiate, right. and give me six months to solve the problem. So either that time I come up with, a, with more money or we have no deal. And you keep the, the deposit. How do, you, how do you lose, owner? You don't. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. That's very good. So you don't. Now, now phase two. Phase two now is assuming you get through with phase one, because if you don't get through with phase one, you'll never get to phase two. Now you have to talk to the owner of the restaurant. We're dealing now with Paul. Mm -hmm. And you go to Paul and say, look, I want to buy the property. I want to do it, but you have a restaurant and your lease runs out in two years. I wouldn't talk options. Your lease runs out in two years. I would like to buy it and pay you to get out. So if you last the whole two years, I'll pay you for the two. If you get out sooner than the two years, then I will pay you for you what you would have lost in assuming you operate the restaurant at a profit. So I want the right to cut your lease off short and I'll pay you for what you would have lost if you operated. What do you want to do? You don't want to operate the restaurant. Lease runs out. Now, you have to look at the lease, and I don't, you wouldn't know, talk about the terms of the lease. What is the rent going to be? On the, what's the, what are the terms of that existing lease? So as part of, dot, of buying, of getting the option from the owner, you get a copy of the lease. Yes. And you see how good the lease is. Is it a sweetheart lease or is it a tough lease? Also, it could be the fact that the restaurant operation has changed and what do you want to knock your brains out for this way? If I gave you a couple hundred thousand dollars and you didn't have to operate the restaurant, that's found money. At this, you don't have to worry about 
Are you going to get customers? What are you going to, what are you going to do? This, everything's changed. Now, the other thing that you could throw in, if he says, well, I really want to stay and I would exercise the options. That's assuming that he's aware that he has the options. Hmm. He may not know I have the options. may not have looked at the lease. And he may just know, well, yeah, my lease expires in two years. And he says, yeah, but I have options. He may not remember that he has the options. What are the options that are higher rental? I don't know what the terms are. You know because you get that, you get that information from the owner of the property because you get a copy of the lease. So you know exactly what your exposure is. Now, assume one of two things. He says, okay, give me X dollars and I'm out tomorrow. Okay. You may not want to give them the X dollars now tomorrow because you, 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 you need time to go do, do what you, your due diligence. So you may say, well, I want you out tomorrow, but I want to know in a year, six years, six months, whatever it is. So I'll give you this. We'll enter into the contract now that you give up the lease and you get, I'll give you X dollars in order to do it. And not an option to buy your lease or I'll buy your lease or an option. I don't care. Anyway, you tie up the restaurant portion the same way you tied up the ownership portion. Now, assume that he goes back and these are assumptions because we're not there. Then he says, well, hey, the restaurant is very, very, very profitable and I'm going to exercise my options, assuming he remembers he's got options. And say, okay, well, how about I replace your restaurant in my new building? If you want to be in a restaurant business, I'll give you a new, a brand new restaurant in my new building. I'll be it. You'll be out of business for a couple for a couple of years while I'm in construction. But then when you come back, you get we got a lease you can live with, and you're in a brand new building, and you got X number of dollars for the inconvenience of getting out sooner. So in so, that scenario, we wouldn't need, actually even need to pay for the option because we're basically transferring the option to a new property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you build in a lease advantage that he couldn't get in the new building if we were just operating, if we were buying it after the building was built. So I'm saying, fine, I'm going to build a, going to build a restaurant, I'm going to build it up to specifications and do whatever it is, and I'm going to pay you for the inconvenience you're involved, and you're going to make money in a restaurant. So now I have a building with a restaurant, obviously a successful restaurant because it's been in business for so many years and it gives you an opportunity to maintain it and you have a profitable restaurant at, a, at an attractive rental. I like that. Now, the attractive rental could be nothing, pay taxes or what have you at this point, assuming that that's equivalent to the money you would have paid to get rid of them. Wow. So, for, so instead of paying rent, what happens at this, you get out, I pay you for your loss of time or you stay the two years and get out at the end of two years and I'm giving you some extra dollars off your rent in the new building. So I'll give you a rent concession of a year, two years, whatever it is to make it go, to make it attractive because you to operate your restaurant. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. It works. Yes. It has to, it works because the, you, uh, when I say, there's nothing that they're going to lose. You're, you're protecting, he's protecting his position. But you have to find out what it is. And the only way you can find out what it is is when you're in, when you're in a position to make a, trans, make a deal and say, All right, let's get down to facts. Here's what it is. I want to buy your restaurant. What do you want? What, how much do you want to sell your restaurant for? And we need as to be doing you that don't have anything As if you don't have anything for the ownership of the deal, for the owner. However, the prop, one of the things is the owners know each other restaurant guy knows the owner of the building. They were friends. So they're going to talk, yeah. which is fine. But they're not bargaining 
one against the other or negotiating on behalf of the other. You separated it out. Restaurant, here's your deal. Owner, here's your deal. And it works. If you don't separate it, it's not going to work. That's that's brilliant. Um, and yeah, you know, and this is why we have these conversations because we had been negotiating with the building owner who had been negotiating on behalf of the restaurant owner and it's not a direct communication. So we don't really know what the restaurant owner wants. And there's this kind of this blind situation. Uh, and we, not only a blind situation, it's fraught with possible with problems. Yes. When I say fraught with problems, since he's a friend, the owner of the building is, is hey, uh, if, if I get you now, if, if you, your losses would be, if you were out of business two years, you lose $100,000. If I get you 300000 I want some money. Right. Because I negotiated good on your behalf. So, or the other way that goes on, the owner of the restaurant can say, hey, if I can get you more money for the value of, for the sale of your property by being a pain in the ass or a stumbling block, I want something for me from you. So you have to eliminate that as a, as a, as a, as a bone of contention by separating them. Now, you wouldn't have it if, you didn't ha- if they didn't know each other or like each other. Right. So if you had a, a tenant who's a pain in the ass and the landlord wants to get rid of them, the owner wants to get rid of them, that's one thing. You don't have that. So if they were the usual landlord-tenant relationship was not friendly. It's that they live with each other, but it's not friendly. I'm paying too much rent. I'm not paying enough. I've got problems with whatever it is. In this instance, you got an additional wrinkle. They were friends. They were sold, and he gave them this lease, which was long-term, and said, I bought you bought the business. Whatever it is, you gotta, you got to cut that tie in order to negotiate it properly. That's brilliant. Now, one of the things you talk about in the book, uh, you know, you talk about three tenets of negotiation. You talk about establishing rapport, you talk about establishing trust, and the culmination of the negotiation is not, it's not a number like 3.2 million, the culmination of the negotiation is satisfaction of the parties, which is intangible. That's true. So break that, break those apart in this particular instance, using this case study. What? Well, break it apart in the first, the, 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 it's, uh, the breaking it apart is important how do you break it apart? Right. In order to break it apart, you've got to learn, you've got to ask a lot of questions. And the first one is, since we've been dealing in the first instance with the owner of the, of the property, and I said, he says he wants to retire. First question, say, what do you want to retire for? Why? I'd like to hear the answer. I'm sick. I'm tired of businesses, but I need the money. What, I want to hear the answer because I'm going to, I'm going to ask the question of the answer. So he says, well, I retire. I really need some money. For what? What do you need the money for? I want to hear the answer. How long? Why now? Why did you decide to sell it now? I want to hear the answer. And when I hear the answer, I can react to what the answer is to see what my next question is going to be. But assume that he says, I want to retire. I want X years old. I've already I've had it. I want to retire and go to Florida. Why did you pick Florida? What are you going to do in Florida? I'm going to buy a house. What kind of a house? How big? You're going to buy it all cash or you're going to buy it with a more? You see the, see what we're doing? Right. I'm now getting geared to give, the, give my answers depending upon what he says. So now once I know what he really wants, I can tailor my, my proposal 
to match what it is. So he says, well, yeah, I want to know I've got enough money to retire. Suppose I got you an annuity where you got $50,000 a year for, for 10 years, 20 years from the insurance company. Wouldn't that that wouldn't that show now that you're protected, you got income for 10 years, you don't have to worry about it? I got to hear the answer. He doesn't know. I threw, threw him a curveball. He right. said, hey, you know, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Well, what happens if I buy an insurance policy? You have 50000 is not enough. I need 100000 Okay. At least I know where we are. I know the area of uncertainty. He says he's looking to retire. That doesn't mean he has to get a lump sum. Well, in fact, he said that once he has a lump sum, it's actually a problem for him because today he's got an income stream and a lump sum doesn't generate got, cash. Fine. How about this? Good. Let me solve your income stream. Right. I'll replace your income stream if that's what you want. And, and he, he already told you that. You gave me that the answer. So he says, yeah, if I get a big lump sum, I don't know where to invest it that I would get my income stream. Hey, I'll solve your problem. I'll get you the income stream. But you can't have the lump sum. You get it in this over, over a certain period of time. So as part of it, I will get you an, annoy, an annuity from a major company where they will pay you X number of dollars a year for 10 years, 20 years, or what have you. I'll give you the equivalent of a life insurance policy, which will give you the income that you're looking for. So I will cover the investment possibility or probability of which you don't have to worry. Can you buy it? Sure. In a minute. You can take a certain amount and, and give it to a, a, an insurance company, and they will give you an annuity, pay about over a year. So there are lots of ways to solve the problem, but you have to know what, what the problem is. And you hit one on the head when he says, I don't know what I'm going to do with the money. I like the income stream. Let me show you how to get an income stream. Yes. Now, the more you talk and you show flexibility, the easier it is to make an ultimate deal because you're solving or you're not solving, you're answering the problems with the other solutions you're raising. So I'll make it easy for you. How much, how much do you need to live on? You're going to Florida. How big a house you're buying? What a good figure out. What do you need to live the lifestyle that you want? How much of the three million, two or three million that I'm going to give you, are you going to use in one lump sum to buy the house? What happens at this point if you get a mortgage? So there are lots of ways around the problems, but you have to understand what the problems are. And in order to understand that, you have to know, put yourself in the shoes of the other party as to what they want. Good negotiation is finding out what the other side wants and then coming as close as you can to making a solution. If you don't find out what they want, you're, you're in the dark. That makes perfect sense. Now, one of the things that we've experienced over the course of the negotiation is that the what he wants has changed over time. You yeah. Know, uh, but that you have to pin down. No, that's your pin down. Say, we're ready, Joe. I'm ready uh, 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 say, Ron, I'll tell you what. I'm ready to sign a contract now. Are you ready to sign a contract? If the answer is no, we're not talking about terms or anything, then we have no deal. Are you telling me? He says, no, I'm not ready to sign a contract. But you told me you were planning on retiring. How are you going to retire without money? I want to hear the answer. So if you want to sell the property, I'm a buyer. I got cash. I'm ready to do it. We can make a deal. You can have. You can go to Florida or regularly go and retire. Nice. I can solve the problem. But if you want to do it now, Now's the time. Circumstances could change. The price may go down and you may not. You work. Who knows what's, what's going to happen? I'm taking the risk out of it because we'll sign a firm contract where you get money and you know you have a deal. How can you refute that? Make it, not and still make a deal. What is, what, what's further to negotiate? You know what I'm saying? Right, right. 
I'm negotiating the, the terms are negotiable, but the concept of the transaction is not. He wants to sell, you want to buy. Okay, how do we do that? We enter into a contract. What's the contract say? There's a price involved, there's a time frame involved, and there is a mutuality of interest where the, you have to have the trust that he thinks or whoever it is on the other side trusts you and thinks, yeah, you're an honest, you're, you want to make a fair deal because you've offered to make a fair deal. And uh, it's, he now has to make a decision. Does he really want to retire and sell? He's got to come to the conclusion, yeah. And what do we do? I gave him a, gave him a gift of $50,000 or whatever the number was for him to make up a mind that, I, yeah, I would sell. The worst that happens is you keep the fifty grand. The best that happens is you sold the property at a price you can agree to. It's a win-win. One of the things, and you wrote about it in the book, is using unpredictability, in fact, as a technique for maintaining negotiating leverage. And certainly if any of the folks on the line here have watched the news, they would have certainly seen Donald employing that technique uh, liberally at times. Sure. Talk a little bit about that and where that fits. Well, unpredictability is something that is always there. And you can throw it on the table and just say that it's there. So you can now looking at this piece of property and say, values are going to do one of two things, three things. They're going to stay where they are, they're going to go down, or they're going to go up. If we make a deal now, you, we, we solve that problem. We're ready to do it. We're not subject to fluctuation. So therefore, also your health. Assume now that you had to sell because you had a health factor that came in. All of a sudden it came, what, you're going to get the same price because you're, you're sick? Of course not. Because now if the need becomes dire, you're going to end up with a worse negotiation. Wow. So in addition to that, you're part of a, you're part of a, a, a integrated transaction where I got three parcels and you're one. One of my other parcels, I may not be able to make the deals. So that's my risk, not yours. But if you wait long, wait too long, at that point, it's no, no, no deal. I can't sell it. And you're getting a higher price because you're part of a, 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 a part of a, a major transaction, and you're getting overpaid. Your property by itself is not worth what I'm paying you. It's only worth it because I can use it as part of a larger transaction. But if the next guy comes and can't use a larger transaction, he's not going to offer you what I've offered you. He's going to come in with less because it has less value. Now, that's not necessarily true, but it sounds good. <laughs> understand? He can't deny it. It's well, that's right. Well, yeah, because as soon as you consolidate whatever setbacks, front yard, side yard setbacks, rear yard setbacks, they disappear. Yeah. So you get to utilize well, that's, more. That's it, but that's, you're not telling him that. Yeah. That's you. It's just, well, you're not telling him. You're, He's not a builder at that point. He's an owner of a piece of property. Yeah, it makes it attractive for you to buy it in the overall scheme because you're putting it as part of an assemblage. Right. And it works. This I don't have to worry about side lots and side lots, whatever. And, and I can build higher or pretend, whatever. Mm -hmm. it, it says attractive. If it was a single parcel, it would be attractive the way I'm doing it. It's not a single parcel. It's a, tr it's a three parcels uh, transaction or it could be five, whatever it just happens this time, that it's three. So if you find out, which you, by asking the appropriate questions, what the other side wants to do, you can figure out how can I make it happen, meet your needs at least halfway, or I can't meet them. I can't guarantee this. So it's a, 
easy. Well, I say easy. Conceptually, it's an easy negotiation. It may take a period of time, and uh, you may have to come to the realization. But it's like uh, as right now at this point. Suppose you you owned a thousand shares of General Motors, and you put it up for sale. Do you think it's going to go up or down? If you're selling it, you think it's going to go down. But uh, you're selling it to me. I buy it. I think it's going to go up. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. So it's everything is is triggered on a, at a point in time to do a particular transaction, and you have to be satisfied. Yeah, now is a good time to do it and make it attractive, so that they would do it. And in this instance, from the what you're telling me, it's very attractive for the seller because he wants to retire. Right. I love George's perspective on negotiation. He is such a master. He breaks down the problem with such surgical precision. And every time I talk with George, he shines a spotlight on what I need to focus on. And hopefully by examining this real-life case study, you got to learn something about negotiation as well. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.